guys, this is Free Food for Thought, a student-run, student-focused podcast here to feed your curiosity. I'm Zach. And I'm Kate, and we are very excited to have Professor John Pitney joining us here today. Professor Pitney is the Roy P. Crocker Professor of American History and Politics at Claremont McKenna College, where he teaches courses on Congress, interest groups, political parties, and mass media. A leading expert on the structure and practice of American politics, Pitney is a widely published author and co-author of six books on American politics. Before he was a professor at Claremont McKenna, Pitney was the acting director for the research department of the Republican National Committee and a senior domestic policy analyst for the U.S. House Republican Research Committee, among other important appointments. Thank you so much for joining us, Professor Pitney. Well, thank you. Um, one of the most interesting things we've heard from people on our podcast and uh, most interesting answers we've had to the question is talking about idea the idea of inflection points, um, times in your life where you've realize you need to make a change, or your career took a pivot, or just some sort of formative time or moment when you realize that something else was going to happen in your life going forward. Um, do you have any of those points in your life, and could you talk about those? Surely. Uh, 1978. Uh, I was finishing my first year at Yale Graduate School. The education was excellent. Uh, I was working with professors who have become lifelong friends, but I was just sick to death of going to school, and I was looking for something else to do, and Charles Tidmarch, my undergraduate advisor with whom I was uh, very close and had uh, co-authored an article, uh, suggested that I look at the uh, New York State Senate Legislative Fellows Program, which is similar to a a program we have here in California. Uh, That enabled uh, graduate students to uh, spend a year working in the New York State Legislature. Uh, That seemed perfect. Uh, I applied for the program, uh, was accepted, and was placed with uh, John Dunn, a uh, state senator from Long Island. And uh, that proved to be one of the best things I ever did professionally uh, because uh, I uh, worked there for Senator Dunn, uh, learned all about uh, the insurance committee, had knew absolutely nothing about insurance going in. Right. Is that like regulation of insurance? Regulation of insurance. Learned that it was all done at the state level. But more important, I learned uh, how a legislature works. Uh, Got to see the workings of New York State government, the New York State legislature up close and personal, got real life staff experience, and I decided to stay on for an additional year. And uh, that additional year, I worked as the clerk of the State Senate Corporations Committee. Now, uh, by clerk, I don't mean something like a Supreme Court clerk where you're working on decisions. I mean a clerk clerk. But in a way, that was among the most educational experiences of my life because my job was to take care of all the paperwork for a legislative committee, to track uh, the progress of legislation, to make sure the right form got to the right person at the right time. And a lot of times I did it wrong. (laughs) And uh, I learned a great deal by having people yell at me. Uh, And uh, it was extremely educational. It's really shaped a lot of what I've done ever since about the importance of procedure. In fact, my very first academic publication 
uh, was a direct outgrowth of that, uh, uh, a, uh, an article titled Leaders and Rules in the New York State Senate. Well, after uh, two years at Albany, I was ready to go back, and uh, I was able to resume my graduate studies with a renewed sense of dedication and a renewed sense of purpose. And uh, that experience really was an inflection point in my life. Sure. Um, So I guess a follow-up to that would be, um, I think a lot of people see the academic worlds and like the sort of real world, like if you're working in Congress or in the state legislature of New York, um, as sort of different. Um, What do you see, like how did you take the purpose that you learned and just talked about in New York and transfer that to like graduate school? And then also kind of tying that into your life now, like what is it like to be a professor of American politics, um, of government, and how do you um, transfer your purpose that you learned to your students in your classes? Well, sure. Uh, I uh, regard the practical side and the academic side as very complementary. Uh, because after I uh, finished my uh, graduate work, I was uh, a participant in another program, the Congressional Fellows Program. Uh, and that sends uh, political scientists to Washington, D.C. to work in Congress. And I worked uh, first for Senator Aldamato of New York, uh, with whom I actually uh, had some contact when I was working for Senator Dunn in Albany. Uh, and then I worked for uh, the House Republican Policy Committee, which in turn led to uh, additional two years working for the House Republican Research Committee. And that experience, in turn, really shaped a good chunk of my academic career because it led directly uh, to uh, the first book of which I was co-author uh, about the uh, Republican Party in the U.S. House. Uh, so in uh, working in uh, a legislature, working in Congress, you get a lot of contextual knowledge, a lot of uh, feel for the way politics works that in many ways informs your academic work. Therefore, I don't see any uh, conflict between the two worlds. In fact, they're quite complementary. I was able to use my research skills on the job, and uh, that's something I also uh, carried forward uh, a little later when I worked for um, the uh, research department at the Republican National Committee. Fast forward to the present, uh, being uh, a professor at Claremont McKenna College. Uh, I have not had any staff jobs uh, uh, since the early 1990s, uh, but life has evolved. Uh, I uh, am now in the position of training students to go forward and take part, in many cases, in active political life. Steve Bullock, the governor of Montana, uh, was my thesis advisee, wrote his thesis for me on uh, welfare reform. Uh, Heidi Cruz, uh, I worked with, uh, and uh, rumor has it she had a role in the uh, past presidential campaign. and uh, to uh, give an example of, uh, uh, of the circle of life and how things come together, uh, Chris Anderson, uh, was also one of my students, ended up basically in my old job oh, okay. at the Republican National Committee. Sure. Uh, so I've moved forward in life, and um, now rather than being a direct staff participant in politics, I'm in the job of training students who go out and run for office and uh, take part in staff activities, and that's really exciting. Sure. Drawing off of that, 
CMC, while they have a lot of government studying students, a lot of students go on to jobs in banking or consulting or the private sector. How can we incentivize more students to go into jobs in the public sector or into political life? And what's your role as a professor in that? Well, uh, a lot of it is, consists of providing information and opportunities here. Uh, the opportunities here consist of internships. I always like to encourage students to consider our Washington semester program, mm -hmm. uh, which provides uh, a great deal uh, of opportunity for students to work anywhere in Washington, White House, Congress, uh, mass media. Uh, we've had uh, great internships at the U.S. Supreme Court, Council of Economic Advisors, and, and on and on and on. Uh, as far as providing information goes, I uh, informally have my own listserv of internships sure, and yeah, uh, and jobs. Uh, students who are current uh, uh, currently working on their degrees at CMC, I provide internship information when people are getting ready to graduate or for years afterwards. Uh, I have a separate list of job opportunities. Uh, Employment in the public sector, particularly when you're talking about uh, political jobs, staff jobs with members of Congress or uh, political parties and so on, is, is quite different from the private sector. You don't really have a lot of recruiting for uh, congressional staff jobs. It's, uh, it's a different animal. So a lot of it is based on contacts. A lot of it is based on networks. And uh, uh, since I, I live in a Disney family, uh, <laughs> I use a Disney analogy. It's the great circle of life. Yeah. Uh, many times students uh, whom I help get internships and jobs in a few years become the people my current Absolutely. students turn to for information about internships and jobs. And right. it's, it's a lot of fun being part of that process. Sure. Um, now, along with teaching um, sort of students about politics, I think one trend that we've seen, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, in this election is sort of the, um, perhaps the crystallization of skepticism and cynicism about American government. Um, Stephen Shear, who was on the podcast last week and who spoke at the Athenaeum, said that um, research shows that 75% of people think that corruption is widespread in the American government. Um, do you see that sort of trend? Um, and I think, I guess, like Bernie Sanders as a populist movement would be a good indicator of that in the younger generation. Um, do you see that trend in your students? And if so, how do you, how do you or what do you do to still teach the same material but perhaps in a different way. The key thing is to strike a balance. Uh, in my courses, I talk a lot about the uh, the practical side of political life, quite frank uh, about the uh, historic role of corruption in the United States. There's nothing new about corruption. Uh, it literally goes back to the founding era. Uh, and uh, much of what I know about politics I learned at my grandfather's knee, and my grandfather was part of a political machine in our hometown, and uh, Gramp would uh, tell me lots of vote-stealing stories. Okay. Uh, that's part of politics, and if you're going to be serious about it, you, you have to be um, very frank in uh, acknowledging uh, the dark side. But there's another side of politics, too, and this is something I always try to get across in my, my courses, um, uh, that there is uh, a side of politics that involves principle and honor and sacrifice. Let me give you an example from my first boss, and I was uh, really, really blessed to have someone like John Dunn as my very first boss. Several years before I worked for him, 
Uh, New York State had the Attica prison riot, a very famous uh, incident. Uh, Prisoners uh, uh, revolted, took over a maximum security prison, and uh, they uh, requested negotiators. The first person they asked for was Senator Dunn. Because at the time, he had been chair of the State Senate Corrections Committee. Though he was a pretty conservative Republican, uh, what he would do is he would make snap inspections of prisons to make sure that they were doing everything right and treating the prisoners fairly. And the prisoners deeply respected him for that. Uh, And so he showed uh, physical courage in uh, in showing up to that. That's a situation that could have gone south very, very quickly. And in the end, it did, even though he wasn't there when it uh, uh, when it happened during the massacre. And afterwards, he showed great political courage in criticizing uh, Governor Rockefeller for uh, essentially ordering the massacre. Uh, and that criticism uh, in New York uh, carried great political consequences. If in the 1970s, if you criticized Nelson Rockefeller, the governor of New York, uh, you encountered a great deal of, uh, of uh, political flack. But he willingly and knowingly uh, accepted that for the sake of doing the right thing. Uh, a little later on, he took on an entrenched and corrupt uh, local political machine, uh, ran a race for Nassau County Executive, did not win, but even though he didn't win, he stayed in the race because he had a commitment to the people who were supporting him. Uh, so when I think of um, corruption, you know, there's, there are many examples of New York, but my very first job in, in my home state provides an example of the, the very opposite of somebody of great integrity and great physical and moral courage. Mm-hmm. Do you believe a lot of our leaders today still embody those qualities of sacrifice and honor? Or is that something that's kind of fading? Oh, it comes and goes. Uh, there are times where uh, uh, one is disappointed in uh, the kinds of things that, uh, that you see in politics. As a Republican, I was deeply disappointed in the uh, nomination of, uh, of Donald Trump and in the acquiescence of so many Republicans to his nomination. But even there, you do have people of courage who have stood up to say the right thing. Senator Ben Sass uh, of Nebraska uh, uh, has all along spoken out against Trump in very direct, blunt, and eloquent terms. And he has taken a lot of heat, a lot of criticism, because there are many uh, people in Nebraska who regard him as a turncoat, but he has not backed down. He has done the right thing. So uh, Senator Ben Sass would be an example of what I consider to be uh, a really uh, first-rate statesman and somebody acting in, with courage and integrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, kind of going back to your career maybe a little more, or your career path, um, what were your initial motivations for entering or for becoming a professor of politics and government? Um, what you talked a little bit about, like sort of building the next generation of political leaders. Um, could you give us more insight into what that means for you um, and sort of what you were thinking when you were younger, maybe? Sure. Uh, I've been interested in politics since I was about 13 years old. Um, first campaign I followed closely was the election of 1968, uh, which historically is among the most dramatic uh, and uh, and revolutionary in American politics. Uh, 1968 was a year of assassinations and riots and a major third party movement. Uh, You can't think of a better year 
uh, to start the study of yeah. politics yeah. in 1968. A lot of good headlines. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, as far as being a college professor, uh, that came to me very quickly. I uh, w- was very lucky. I went to a small private liberal arts college, un- Union College in upstate New York. Uh, I got very close to my professors there who encouraged me to think seriously about graduate school and uh, making class presentations and writing papers. I discovered it was something I really liked and it was something that, that spoke to me. So it was really didn't consider any other career path uh, other than uh, doing uh, staff work uh, as uh, as an in and outer, so to speak. Uh, but I always uh, thought I would end up being uh, a college professor in the end. Um, as far as um, uh, my current role, how that's uh, evolved what I uh, what I hope to pass along to students one uh, certain skill set uh, in my classes I, I emphasize the importance of writing yeah uh, yeah strunk and white clear direct writing uh, thorough research clear thinking uh, but also uh, beyond the technical skills what I hope to get across is a love of and a respect for politics politics is the way we live together uh, politics uh, is a set of the rules we live by and uh, there are bad sides to politics but there are also honorable and good sides to politics as well and that's what I I hope my students get out of their courses more specifically if you knew that you wanted to be a professor what made you want to be a professor of undergraduate students versus graduate students uh, part of that is uh, my experience uh, in undergraduate college if I had gone to, uh, did my undergraduate if I had done my undergraduate work at a research university my perspective might have been different uh, but um, my interest has always uh, been in the uh, uh, in the broader, more integrative aspects of teaching, rather than uh, rather than focusing very narrowly on some technical and highly academic uh, side of the discipline, I have taught uh, at uh, Claremont Graduate University, done some courses there. Frankly, I much prefer teaching undergraduate courses, as I, I've had some great graduate students uh, and. Uh, taken part in some wonderful dissertations there. But my first love is is teaching undergraduates uh, because there you can take a very broad view of politics and not just talk about what's the latest in the literature, but how to put the pieces together, uh, how the Constitution relates to our system of elections, how American political history plays out over the years, uh, being able to tell the broad story in a way you really can't do in in a, in a graduate course, and that's why I like teaching undergraduates. Wonderful. Um, and finally, we always like to end on the same question of what is your personal definition of success, and what advice do you give to students in defining success for themselves? Success is living for others. Um, uh, Temple Grandin, uh, who is uh, uh, a, uh, a person with autism, uh, who managed to get a PhD in animal science, is a leading expert on autism, talks a lot about it, uh, was once asked, well, what's the meaning of life? And uh, she responded uh, when she was young, it's, uh, um, uh, it was something she wrestled with philosophically, 
and uh, she finally determined it's helping other people, doing good for other people. Yeah. Uh, that uh, uh, when somebody says, uh, uh, reading your book changed my life, that's meaning. That's the meaning of life. That piece of equipment works well. That's meaning. Uh, and so success is doing something that makes somebody else's life better. Uh, I know that's, uh, that may sound like a cliche, no. No, I but, like it's, it. uh, uh, but uh, I, always, uh, I always think of Temple Grandin in that respect. Thank you for that. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Thank you again, Professor Pidney, for joining us. And to all the listeners out there, remember to stay hungry.